Mind Podcast, your host, Carlos. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Today we're going to be doing lies that the church has told me. We're going to look, uh, we're going to do a twofer, two scriptures that are completely taken out of context. In fact, these um, sayings are said and they don't even exist in the Bible. First one is, God will never give you more than you can handle. Whoa. Okay. Second thing is, is they take Romans 8.28 and they say, you know, those who love God, God works all things out to good. Uh, so just, just think of what's good and um, God will give you that. God will do that for you. Ugh. All right. So the way we're going to look into this today, it's going to be a little bit different than the last uh, lies that the church has told me. But it's going to be the scriptures that they've taken out of context and explain those scriptures. And then I don't want to leave you with that. I also want to give you scriptures that you can look into and really see that it is the total opposite of what they're saying. But God does not leave you without hope. So the first one was, God will not give you more than you can handle. Now, the scripture that they use to take that out of context is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses, oh, well, just verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. So trial and temptation, two different things. God not giving you more than you can handle or God not allowing more than you can handle is not what's being talked about here. It's temptation. And what is temptation? It's to be tempted to sin. Now the reason, right, while we read, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, it's because we are not allowed or God does not allow for us to be tempted more than we can bear, because if we are tempted to sin more than we can bear, then we can blame God, because God allowed this temptation that is, a, that is way more than what I can handle, and I'm going to sin. So God's protection, providence, if you may, is enough temptation that we should be able to withstand. Now, are we going to fall in temptation? Are we going to stumble? The possibilities are yes, because we don't go to the source of our strength and our source of being able to resist. But also notice, okay, and it's very, very simple. God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it, or in other translations, endure it. So the temptation is supposed to be tempting, but God will always give that way of escape so that when we do fall in temptation, we stumble. We blame ourselves. We go to God for forgiveness. We go to God for strength. We look for the way of escape that God has given us, but we can never ever blame him. So as for God giving us more than we can handle, we're going to cover how that is a yes. God will allow for us to have more than we can handle, meaning trials, because that's what that 
misinterpretation of scripture is used is so that when you're going through a hardship, oh, well, God thinks you're so strong and that's why he, he's letting you go through this. No. Temptation, trial, two different things. So now that we covered the temptation portion, Romans 8.28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, those who love God, and to those who are called according to his purpose. Wait a minute. My pastor told me that it was according to what I thought was good. Well, see, first of all, if you love God and you show your love for God, you're looking to do the things that God has ordained or, or asked for us to do, the things that he's empowered us to do. So while the world wants to do damage, and, in, and you read Romans 8, it has a lot to do with affliction. But see, what the world means for evil, God turns into good. But not for our purpose or not according to what we think is good. He is the perfection of good. Why would he go to us, the imperfection? He would do it according to his will and his sovereignty, his knowing. What is good, not only for us, but what is good, period, because he is good. So those are the two scriptures that are taken completely out of context. And now, because we will go through things, we will. There's so many hardships in life. Um, I could write down a list of things. And in fact, I, I will mention one or two things just to give you an idea of what this looks like practically. So the first thing we need to understand is that God is for God. Throughout the whole Old Testament, you always hear for his name's sake. And Psalm 79.9 says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name, and deliver us and provide atonement for our sins for your name's sake. Now, David is, is plainly saying, help me because of what people will say about you. Meaning, he is David, a man after God's own heart. He knows that God will not share his glory. That God, okay, will never be blasphemed according to us. So he prays to God and asks God according to his character because God will not go against himself. Now, Isaiah 48, 11, For my own sake, for my own sake, I will do it. For how should my name be profaned? And I will not give my glory to another. Even though we may not care what people think about God because of us, God cares about what people say about him, his glory. And nowhere in the scriptures has God given away his glory. God has not taken away from his namesake for the sake of us, for the sake of anyone. So before you, you, you lie to yourself and say, God is on me team. No, no, God is on God's team. You either join God's team or you're left behind. Does that mean God does not love you? Does that mean God is not watching over the plans that he has set for your life? That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But before you think God is for you, God is for God first. His glory. 
He will not diminish his glory just to make you feel better about yourself. He's against ego. Our ego. And this is not egotistical of God because God being the epitome of what is good, and he is good, can't go against himself. He is not going to bring himself down just so that you feel better about you. Second thing we need to look at is that we will be suffering. That's what it is. 2 Corinthians 4.17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal waiting glory. Again, we are going to go through hardships, but here Paul looks at his his life at this point of ministry. Now, mind you, he called it light affliction. Perception is, is very key. And if you understand why you're going through hardships, if you understand that this walk that we have with Christ is going to have its bumps per se, then you're going to understand that it's not easy. The road is narrow. Okay, it, It's going to have its things. If if God had Christ, his son, suffer on a cross to pay for your sins, what makes us think that we're not going to go through things? Now, Paul, in ministry, was beat, dragged out of a city, left nearly dead plenty of times. We read through all his epistles how many times he was beaten, left for dead, being thrown in prison, punched in his face. Okay, He had uh, physical infirmities, a thorn in the flesh, as it's called. Some people say it's his eyes. Uh, again, through traditions, things that he's written. Um, uh, something about uh, when they found uh, one of the books, and it says, uh, "You see, I've written this in my own hand." The letters were were like big, and the writing was off. Like if he couldn't see. Some thought maybe it was actual physical things, where there was some type of disability. Now, no one knows exactly, but he had physical infirmities to go with the butt whoopings and everything else that happened to him. But he called them light afflictions. See, because for the weight of glory, for what he was going to receive in heaven, in the, the afterlife, they didn't mean anything. You see, a woman goes to give birth. And I'm not going to diminish. I've seen my wife do it eight times and each time it broke me to see her in so much pain to go through everything that she went through to bring one of our children to life to to this world but i've also seen the moment the child was in her arms how she doesn't even remember the pain because the end result was so much more than the pain and the affliction that she had to go through and that's what christianity should be like and it's kind of awesome how God gives us these examples in life so that we can use scripture and actually see it because we live something similar to it. So as we go through life, we should change our perception of things that we go through. And sometimes, listen, we stump our toe and we make it the end of the world. We go through little things in the world and it's like, oh, it's the end of the world. God, where are you? What are you comparing that to? Now, going back into Romans 8, it's uh, verse 18. For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared 
with the glory which shall be revealed in us. It's exactly what I just said. So now don't take my word for it. Here's scripture backing up what I just said. Romans 8.31. So this is after 8.28. And you've heard this and people have said this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Don't take this scripture and make it what it's not either. You see, when you are for God, God is for you. It doesn't mean you're not going to go through things. But it means that God is going to see you through these things. It means that in temptation, he will create an exit, a way of escape for us because he is for you. He wants to see you overcome this temptation. He wants to sanctify us. But sometimes sanctification comes in painful ways. So it's like a parent who disciples his, I'm sorry, disciplines his child. See, I don't discipline my children because I'm mean and I think it's fun. I discipline them because I want them to, to know that what they did is wrong and there's a cost to what they did wrong. But that if they learn from this lesson, if they, they grow from this act that needed discipline, on the end side of that, they're going to be so much better. I can take my kids anywhere because they have discipline in their lives and they know how to behave. You will never see a child of mine thrown on the floor, crying and wailing at a Toys R Us. Yes, I know Toys R Uses aren't around anymore crying for a toy because there's discipline in their lives. So not only do they behave in a certain way because of this discipline that I need to discipline them less, but now they're, when they become adults, they take this discipline with them and they're marriageable. It'll work in their marriages. They'll be better employees, better human beings, because at a young age, in, in their young walk in life, they were discipled to being better. They had discipline when they needed to learn where they need to be because there's a time and a place for everything. And that's a part of discipline. But it's the same way we are being sanctified, where we go through certain things. And now these two scriptures are really going to paint this picture for us. And it's going to be James 1. Verses 2 through 4. My brethren, count it all joy. Wow. Count it joy. When you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So the first thing, count it all joy. I don't know about you guys. I know for me, my dad was a very strict dad. There was a lot of things that it was like, come on, dad. I was eight years old working on cars because I wanted to wear Nike. And I couldn't understand why when your child asked you, hey, kids are making fun of me at school. Can I have Nike? You handed, he handed me a tool. He said, here's a ratchet. Learn how to change oil. Here, this is how you detail a car. This is how you clean a car. Go make your money. And I hated it. I hated it with such a passion. It was like, 
I'm eight years old. What other eight-year-old you know can change oil, change spark plugs? I'm 13. I'm not playing sports in school. I'm working on a car. But now I'm a grown man and I can look back and I have such joy and such thankfulness. And my God, how many times did I not have a job and I needed to fall back onto mechanics in order to provide for my family? Or I didn't have money to pay a mechanic, so I took my own car apart. The other day I put it on Instagram because it was every time I save money by working on my own car or by doing whatever I got to do that my dad has taught me, that I hated then. I look back and I have such joy because my goodness, my man, I, I treated you horribly. I, 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 I acted like such a brat and you gave me such a gift, but I have joy now because I'm able to look back and see what I learned and how much better I am for it today. Lacking nothing. Because if I ever have no job, I know where to go. If I have no money and my car needs to be fixed, I can do that. And in that, it helps out my family, my family dynamic. We're a single income home. There is no way, if not for the grace of God, and the lessons that my father passed on at a time that I hated them, that we would be able to make this family dynamic work where we have a roof over our heads, where we have these things and we, we can do so much. And all because I learned how to save money, not be wasteful. By the time I was done working on cars, I was too tired to go buy Nike. I just went to the first store I saw. It was like, yeah, this is easier. So there's so many things that I learned in these lessons and, and though I hated them then, and, and it was hard to go through then as a kid, as a man, so grateful, so joyful. I, I wish I had the opportunity, and this is something, a side note, sidebar for you guys. For, for those of you that, you know, we just had Mother's Day, uh, even for your fathers, don't wait for tomorrow to thank them. Don't wait for tomorrow. I, I lost both my parents. I was 21. Okay. Don't wait for tomorrow to tell them you love them. Don't wait for tomorrow to thank them for, for the, the crap they made you go through as a kid that made you such a better adult. Don't wait for tomorrow because tomorrow's not promised. Back on this. So, James, <clears throat> I already read that, lacking nothing. Yeah, I got to get back into my thoughts. Now, the, the portion where it says, knowing that the testing of your faith uh, produces patience. Okay. You have to see patience as a muscle. And how do you build muscle? Well, you have to tear the muscle up. You stretch it, you pull it, you, you do so many things to a muscle. And it's the healing of the muscle that creates the bigger muscle, I guess, or more muscle or whatever the biological terminology should be. It is how muscles are built and it's the same thing with patience that's why the joke is don't ask god for patience because he's going to test your patience and in testing your patience you will learn to have more patience but see the trick to having patience is to wait upon god and know that god is willing to make a way of escape to be the light at your feet to guide your paths as in psalms as it says in psalms Know that God is faithful because it's for his namesake. It's who he is. He is faithful. And knowing these things 
will help your patients rather than having to go through the testing of patience. It's all a reminder. See, when you know that God is God and he's going to complete what he wants to complete, it, it is easy for us to lack nothing because God is everything. So next scripture is 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. It's just reiterating what James said. Isaiah 40, 31, and so many other scriptures, but this one in particular is the one that I wanted to use to put this all in a bow. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with eagle, uh, excuse me, mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. My brothers and sisters, we are going to go through things. We are going to I'm going to give you a, a very short testimony. It's, it's very short cut. Hopefully I make the point with it because this is one of the subjects I, I hate to talk about. And um, I, I did it recently at a church. And uh, it just, it, it's hard because it reminds me of so many things. But okay, so... As most of you that do listen know, I have eight children. When you look at our pictures, we only have seven. One is with him in glory. Uh, I'm okay because as a Christian, I want to get to heaven. She beat me there. She is with him. My goal in life is now to get to him. She was just quicker. And if heaven is paradise and it is the goal of life... And I can't be sad because I once prayed, God, do what is necessary to make sure that my kids get to you. And this is what was necessary for my daughter to be with him. And our children are lent to us anyway. They belong to him regardless. My perception had to have changed throughout years to get to the point where today I can say I rejoice knowing that boss is with him. But see, it didn't start that way. There was a joke in, in, in my family, as well as friends, uh, the first time my wife got pregnant with Matthias. Uh, I came home, and I said, uh, honey, I got news. She said, I got news. She was excited. I obviously wasn't, because my news was I lost my job. And her news was, I'm pregnant. So... At that time, not much of a Christian. All I counted was on me, and I, I fell back to trying to do as much as I could to provide, to, to have the things for the baby that was coming. I got a job. Things happened, you know, uh, hardships, whatever, that go with not having a job trying to provide, but it was only one kid. So about two years later, a little less than two years, come home, and I have news. My wife has news again. And I say, honey... I lost my job. 
She says, I'm pregnant again. She was excited. And as a man, to, to be put in a position where, you're, where you feel like a failure, like you can't even provide, I couldn't even rejoice in the fact that we were having another child. And this was Lily. Lily was born a, a little early. Her lungs weren't fully developed. Actually, doctors don't even know what was wrong with her. But I think this is the point where God uh, chose to really grab a hold of my heart. Because it was a, a good brother of ours who came and prayed for her. And, you know, within a day or two, she was better. And the doctors didn't even know why. But again, she was pregnant. I lost my job. This time it took a little bit longer for me to find the job. It got a little bit harder. Bills started getting a little bit out of whack. JoJo was coming along. And uh, so I come home. I have news. But... We, I approached this a little different because I walked home and I said, honey, you're pregnant. She said, oh, my God, how do you know? I said, because um, I lost my job. And uh, I was right. She was pregnant. Same thing. But this time I'm walking a little bit more with Christ. I'm learning to, to have patience, to, to really trust in, in the fact that whether I have a job or not, that God is Jehovah Jireh. God is provider. And God provided so many things. In fact, the same brother that came to pray for Lily helped me out with a job for, for a little bit um, in the city. And it was actually pretty entertaining. Uh, he helped me get through depression, which no one really knew I was going through. Because, again, I was feeling like a failure. But I was counting on God and, and just his, his presence and our praying together, talking together, really just, just hanging out, you know, in the city was was what I needed. And also he provided a way for me to make some cash. Then from there, working again, Luna comes along. Same thing. I come home, you must be pregnant because you lost your job. Yeah, you're right. I was right. We had Luna. And it was very interesting because... At this point now, four children, boy, girl, boy, girl. My wife surprised me with, I'm pregnant. In fact, I remember that day, and it was like, I was working, but I didn't lose my job. It wasn't going great, but I didn't lose my job. And I was like, oh, this, this must be over. It's this, this whole thing where whatever God was doing... It must be over because she got to tell me she was pregnant and it was with Bas. And man, I, I I was like, wow, I didn't lose my job. And I'm thinking to myself like, okay, God. All right, cool. Six months into the pregnancy, we go and we find out that uh, the baby has trimesian 13 and I'm just going to cut it short uh, with so many things that happened. But we had... Um, the doctors and the nurses try to convince us that we should just abort. Baby has trimesian 13. It's not going to make it. You know, kill it now. I knew my stance. And I'm not going to play God. I knew my wife's stance. But again, with news like this, you you kind of, as a man, don't don't know what to say or what to do except whatever you want, honey. And I was so touched and blown away by the fact that she didn't miss a beat. It's 
Like, no, nah, we're not killing anything. We're not doing anything. And I'm like, damn right. Let's do this. Okay. We're going to head on into this because we trust God. Whether he heals or he doesn't, we trust God. Which was beautiful. For, for you marriages that are out there, you need to hold each other up. Because when one falls, the other has to be strong. And when the other is weak, the other has to be even stronger. So hold each other up. Be a team. You know, and this doesn't mean anything outside of Ephesians. I'm talking about be a team. Okay? Love one another. Strengthen one another. Make each other better and stronger in Christ. Because you never know when the test is coming and you're going to have to be there for each other. And if one of you falls off on the other and you're both falling and your faith is both lacking, then you're both going to be in this rut a lot longer rather than one helping the other one out. And that's basically what we did. Uh, social media was evil to my wife. They would say that she wasn't Christian enough uh, because God hadn't healed the baby yet. She wasn't praying hard enough. She must be in sin. Basically, everything that happened to Job, everything that happened to Job was social media for my wife. People knew to leave me alone because uh, they definitely didn't want to see me angry. You know, I'm not the Hulk, but I can, uh, yeah, you don't want to see me angry. So they left me alone. More people would pray with me, would get together. And I really had a sense, and I mean, this is not of me, this, this strength and this, this posture of whatever God does is good. Whatever he does, I'm going to stand on that. And I didn't know why, and I didn't know how. I just knew that I've, I've read these scriptures, and I knew that I'm going to go through hardships, and I know that God's going to go, work with me through these things. I know all that. I need to live it. And I prayed, Lord, allow me to live this. And without me even thinking twice, man, God came through in such a way. And it was, it was hard. We get to the day, my wife gives birth, we have the beautiful little girl. We knew, you know, God was only going to allow us to have what we thought were going to be moments. Turned out to be three days. It was funny because even people came to the hospital and even they wanted to attack our faith and attack our, our walk with God. And, and, you know, we're not Christian enough because we're not praying for, for a super healing. And, and it's not that it's, we pray for God's will. Because at the end of the day, it's his will. It doesn't matter what I want. If I truly believe that God is the God of my life, then it's whatever God wants. Three days later, our daughter had passed, went home to be with the Lord. People still were attacking us. But see, if you look at the statistics of a marriage that loses a child and what that does to a marriage, it was amazing how well-knitted me and my wife were, thanks to the Lord. Thanks to everything that he put us through before that and testing these things. And again, I, I only talked about the aspects of the biggest test for me were an attack to my manhood because I needed to be able to fix everything. And with losing jobs and this happening and that happening, little by little, he was chipping away at my ego in this this 
false bravado of, of manhood that I thought I had or, or what I thought I was. You know, all the places where I thought I was strong, he showed me how weak I was. And that only he can strengthen me. To the point where now I'm definitely in a situation that I know I have no control over. There is nothing I can do. It's above my pay grade. I can do nothing but count on him. And finances went crazy because I got it. Once we're like two weeks away from uh, having the baby, that job did me dirty and fired me because they found someone to replace me. Actually, they found two people that they can pay twice. All right. They could pay two people their salary and it'd still be less than mine. That's what I meant to say. And I mean, I got done dirty, but none of that mattered. The only thing that mattered is that I had to be the head of my home, the, the rock for my wife, as God is my rock and God strengthened me. I had to be that for my wife because that's my role as a husband. But I didn't even know where I was getting this strength from, except that the scripture tells me where it comes from. See, because the Holy Spirit is that comforter. So I went through all of this beforehand for this moment. And I'm telling you, it's not that, that we didn't, weren't heartbroken. It wasn't that we weren't upset. It, we were all those things. But we knew God is better and she is there. So though we mourned and though we were sad and though we, we to this day wonder what she would be like, we know that whatever it is, whatever she is, whatever... Uh, she would have been matters not because she is where, where we as parents would want her to be. The ultimate goal is to get her there. But see, we weren't broken because of everything beforehand, our marriage, our our issues in, between me and her, the, the 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 things that God had to do within our marriage so that we can be what we were to each other at that moment. Everything for that moment. And now, see, to go back to Romans 8.28, and I'll end with this. The good, according to his purpose, right? because our good would have been that she were healed, and she'd be here. See, according to his purpose, all children are his. Just took one home. What can I do? His child anyways. But you see, for those that weren't socially attacking us through social media, weren't, you know, talking the nonsense that came to their head or their false scriptures that they tried to throw at us, because this was definitely more than I can handle. This was definitely more than my wife could handle. This is something that God had to handle through us. And he did it victoriously. But now... How many people came back to faith by seeing the character of my wife, the faith that my wife had? So many people emailed that their faith was re-strengthened, that they started praying all over again. Uh, have people across the world that, that were reaching out to us, a pastor who was overseas in, in Austria, uh, reached back to me to let me know that there was people who were leaving ministry and he was telling them about the, the strength that they saw in us and they, that was the, the, the message that they needed to hear so that they would stay in ministry and continue. You see, all across this world, not just here, not just in this home, 
They were being affected by watching what God was doing through our family. And so much good came out. Now, did this good affect me personally? Did it make it better? No, no. It was for God's purpose. And up to this point, I am honored that God would choose my family to make an example to strengthen other people's faith. I can rejoice in that. So my brothers and sisters, know that you're going through hardships. Don't let anyone lie to you. Know that God will work at it to what he considers good. Not for, for what we may think is good. Sometimes what looks ugly to us and bad is exactly what we need to grow closer to him. And that should be our goal as Christians. I don't expect anyone in the world to understand this. I don't expect anyone outside of who God is to understand this or want to understand this. But you who call yourselves Christian, who say that you want a relationship with Christ, know he is with you. You will go through it. It is the process of sanctification. Till glorification, we will be going through things. And it's okay, because he is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. But that does not mean that we're not going to go through struggles. I keep reiterating that because I have read through social media so many Christians going through things, so many people that I've talked to, counseled, and, and they fall apart at the first thing. Don't allow anything in this world to separate you from God and allow him to do what he thinks is good. God bless you guys. But before I get off, I want to give a shout out <clears throat> to my lovely lady. Happy birthday. Uh, though you're getting old, you're still very, very beautiful. Uh, can't believe uh, that we're getting old together. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. So, baby, I love you. I hope that... Um, you enjoyed your day today. I know we had a couple issues here at the house with uh, plumbing, but it got all taken care of, thank God. Uh, you definitely cheated on your diet, but I won't tell anyone. Oh, wait, I just did. I uh, <laughs> love you, baby. I really hope you enjoyed your birthday. I hope uh, that we have many, many more together and that I can continue to try my hardest to make you happy. You deserve it. You're definitely one of the the greatest women I can ever ever say I knew um, the fact that you married me shows that you're not very smart but, but but I'll let that one slide because I am very selfish and I got to keep you but baby girl this this day means so much more to me than it does to you because whatever years ago God chose to, to allow you to be born regardless that we know that um Circumstances tried to keep you from that, but he allowed you to be born so that that missing rib, I would once have it. And now I'm complete. I love you, baby. Thank you for dropping by. Please remember to subscribe, to share, like, and to catch the next one.